Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Hey, welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If this is your first time joining us, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm new. If you fill out that short form online for us as a way of saying thanks, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that is listed. If you just joined us, we're in our second week of a teaching series that we're calling Forgotten Voices. We are taking a look at a group of people collectively known as the Minor Prophets whose powerful messages were really forgotten by their own people, and they remain largely unknown by many today. We learned last week from the story of a guy named Hosea how deep God's love is for us. He'll never stop pursuing you. You know, like God paid a high price for you to buy you back from sin and from darkness, and His love will absolutely transform your life in a pretty powerful and amazing way. And today we're putting ourselves into the world of a guy who honestly could relate to, to what many of us are feeling right now now, I think, you know, um, especially with all that's happening in our world. And if you ever struggled to understand like what God is really up to, like what he's really doing, or if you've felt like God just wasn't stepping up enough and doing anything, hey, this message today, man, it is definitely for you, okay? It's difficult to see, you know, good people suffering and evil flourishing, right? It's outrageous for us to see injustice run rampant and the truth twisted in more ways than you can count. It seems like there are just two sets of, of people right now too, right? Like one who follow one set of rules and then the other one that, yeah, they can kind of follow them, but they don't have to, you know? <laughs> They're kind of like your betters in a way. Yeah, no one seems to, to come for them. Like there's no justice for that group. It, it just, it, it's all kind of chaotic right now. And in the midst of that chaos and uncertainty, the discouraging outlooks, a lot of people want to know, hey, what, what's really going on here? And that's kind of a macro level. But let's bring this down home to you. Let's bring it individually to you where you're at here today. You know, you're going to experience, if you haven't already, uh, moments where God seems to be at work, you know, but not quite as we think he should. You're going to go through challenges and difficulties where the traditional and religious and spiritual answers should make sense, but, but they're not. And it'll discourage you and disappoint you. And all you're going to want to know in that point in time is, God, like, what are you doing? Well, what if God has a plan? Like, what if he has a plan? He's putting together a great plan and working through the course of human events, something theologians call providence. And what if God is working behind the scenes in ways we don't understand, right? That can make an impact that we can never fathom. Some of those same sentiments we have about our personal lives, even in our world, they were felt by a little-known prophet named Habakkuk, who lived in the 7th century B.C., in the nation of Judah. If you've ever questioned and wrestled with like what God is or isn't doing in our world here today, if you don't find yourself understanding what God's up to, um, then you and Habakkuk have an awful lot in common. So we're going to look at Habakkuk's story here today, and we're going to learn how we can trust God's plan even when it doesn't make sense to us. So Habakkuk's name actually means to wrestle, and this is exactly what he does with God. Every time you question what God is doing. Every time you fail to understand how God is working, you're doing what Habakkuk did. You're wrestling, and more specifically here, you're wrestling with doubts and belief. And Habakkuk's story is going to teach us what we need to remember when we find ourselves wrestling with this kind of tension of doubt and belief in our lives. 
Now his story doesn't read like a, like a narrative. It's not like a once upon a time there once was a prophet or anything like that. Um, it doesn't have that beginning, middle, and end. It's actually really unique for the Old Testament because it's a conversation that you get to see between him and God. And it starts like this, Habakkuk chapter 1, verse number 1. This is the message that the prophet Habakkuk received uh, in a vision. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you don't listen. Violence is everywhere, I cry, but you don't come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? And wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. Boy, doesn't that sound like our world right now, right? He keeps going. He goes, The law has become paralyzed, and there's no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. How many of you can relate to what Habakkuk's telling God right here? You know, it's almost like his words easily fit in the 21st century here in America as they do in ancient Judah. He sees the violence increasing among his people. He sees injustice. He sees fear. And it feels like God isn't doing anything. It doesn't make sense to him. Habakkuk's basically asking God, hey, like, why? <laughs> why are you letting these things happen? What Habakkuk is seeing happen among his people is just not lining up with what he believes. He's expecting God to step in and, and judge evil, but at the moment, it appears like God doesn't seem to care about what's happening. He's letting corruption and evil and darkness continue unabated. And we kind of get that view in verse number two. You ever been there before, by the way? Ever felt like that? Um, what, what about this? What about praying and praying and praying, only to find that God isn't answering your prayers? Well, that, that, that's a backing for you. He gets that. His prayers aren't being answered. He has respect and reverence for God. But you get this sense of frustration in his words that God isn't doing all he can to prevent evil from spreading. We saw that in verse number two. It's almost like he's saying, hey, God, like, I know you can do something, but you're not. So what's the deal with this? And I think what Habakkuk is encountering is something every single Christian at some point or another will encounter in their spiritual walk. It's that tension between doubt and belief. When you first accept Christ as your Savior, you're on this great spiritual high, and everything's going well for you, and every single message you hear in church, it's just for you, right? It's like God's reading your mail. Your prayers are being answered. You're experiencing all these really cool God moments in your life, right? But then comes like this dip. And you're going from the mountaintop experience to a valley low moment in the dip. And you start realizing the message and service is not speaking to you the way you kind of used to. And those God moments are less frequent than they were before. And things aren't working out quite the same way. And maybe you're praying for someone who's sick to get better. And those prayers that were answered before, you know, like now in the most important times, they seem to go unanswered. What's happening is you're experiencing the tension of doubt in belief. And it's part of growing in Christ. It looks different in each person, but it generally comes at a time where you desperately need God to step in, and He just doesn't. And you experience something similar to what Habakkuk was experiencing. So, so what do you do when you're wrestling with God in that tension of doubt and belief? Well, the first thing you need to do is remember what God has done. Remember what God has done. It may look like nothing is happening. It may seem like God isn't listening, but you have to remember what He's already done in your life. Remember how He came through and provided the, you know, the job you need. Remember how he, he healed your kid. Remember how He used that person at work to lift you up, man, when you could have easily fallen into despair. Remember the things that God has done. 
This is what Habakkuk actually does a little later in the conversation that he has with the Lord. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse number 1. This prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. I've heard all about you, Lord, and I'm filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in the years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. In his time of need, in his time of, of just wrestling with, with belief and doubt, Habakkuk remembers what God has done. And much of that chapter is filled with remembering the power and the promises that God made in the past. They serve as reminders to Habakkuk that even in the difficult times of doubt, that God's plan can be trusted. Can you remember when God healed you when the odds were just stacked against you? Or what about the time that God provided for you when you were down to your, just your last few dollars? Can you remember how in the past, you know, tragedies and struggles and at certain times, you know, God stepped in and came through for you. He was there for you. He got you through it. You know, what you're experiencing might be difficult and it may be uncertain, but God's plan, it can be trusted. And you're going to need to remember in those times what God has done so that you can accept what God is doing. Because what he's doing might be so crazy and so unrecognizable, you wouldn't believe what he was up to even if he told you. And that's what his message is to Habakkuk. Look at Habakkuk chapter 1 again. But let's go to verse number 5. The Lord replied, look around at the nations. Look and be amazed, for I am doing something in your own day, man, something you wouldn't even believe if someone told you about it. I am raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They're going to march across the world, conquer other lands. They're notorious for their cruelty and do whatever they like. Their horses are swifter than cheetahs and fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their charioteers charge from far away. Like eagles, they swoop down to devour their prey. Okay. Continue in verse number nine. It's a really cheery picture God painted, right? <laughs> look, look at verse number nine, though. On they come, all bent on violence. Their hordes advance like the desert wind, sweeping captives ahead of them like sand, and they scoff at kings and princes and scorn their fortresses. They simply pile ramps of earth against their walls and capture them. They sweep past the wind and they're gone, but they're deeply guilty, and their own strength is their God. Slight bit of hope at the end of that one. And let me explain here in a moment. So let's give some context because what Habakkuk is hearing sounds absurd, right? I mean, it would be a, a crazy to use Babylon, but a lot of us may not understand why. So we didn't live in the Middle East during the 7th century BC. So let's, let's look at what's happening in Habakkuk's world at the time. The Assyrians were the regional power, all right? So they were based in Nineveh. If you recognize the name Nineveh, it's because there's a story about a guy named Jonah, right? It's where he was supposed to go. Nineveh's in today Iraq, Mosul, Iraq. Babylon was an up-and-coming power based on what's today Baghdad. And so no one thought the Babylonians would be the disruptive power, but Babylon kind of has this huge upset and defeats the Assyrian Empire. Then they go on to swallow the entire Middle East. That hasn't happened just yet, though. Um, later, they would come to Judah, and they, they would go to Jerusalem specifically, and in three successive waves, in 605, 597, and 586 B.C., they would, they would take away exiles. The first group were the, the royals, people like Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, those guys. Um, the priests would go in the second wave with other nobles, Ezekiel went in that one. And then you would have the third wave where the entire destruction of the city took place. And it's about 10 years from when God's going to do all that, and he's the Babylonian 
Thessalonians at this point. So no one would have believed any of this. They probably would have laughed at Habakkuk's message. Now think about our world right now. Would you have believed all the things we're seeing and experiencing if someone told you about it 10 years ago? No, no, you wouldn't, right? Not likely at all. You would laugh at best and be confused by worse. So honestly, I think Habakkuk probably felt a little bit of both here. He certainly was confused. We know that because if you skip down to verses 12 and 13, you see Habakkuk expresses confusion and doubt openly to God. So when we wrestle with this, this tension of doubt and belief, it's important that we accept what God is doing because there's a bigger picture that God is working on. He's doing things behind the scenes that we, we can't see, which are going to have a huge impact down the road. I, I remember, you know, I was only a few days away from being 16 when the towers fell in, on 9-11. All right? I remember watching the Today Show in our classroom as the Pentagon was hit and then hearing about the plane, which, which later on would crash in the Pennsylvania field that morning. And for my generation, it was really the first big national tragedy we'd gone through. And, and I'll never forget the conversations that we had with so many people who didn't understand why this kind of thing would happen. Or why would God allow this destruction to happen? And they were wrestling between doubt and belief because it, it honestly just, just did not make sense to so many. Sunday came. And that Sunday, I think every church in America was filled. We had standing room only in my church. Thousands and thousands of people gave their lives to Christ in the midst of tragedy that was, you know, September 11th. It didn't make sense why God would allow that kind of tragedy to happen. He didn't cause it, right? Evil men caused it, of course. But God had a plan to bring something good out of something which was so destructive and evil. And I don't know, you know, what's transpiring in your life right now. But I, I, I don't really know what God would be using and allowing right now to make, make any sense to you. But I, I want to encourage you with this. This is, this is where I want to get out here today. Accept what God is doing because he has a plan. We can't see the bigger picture. We can't see all that he's doing behind the scenes. But God may bring us to a place where he does something amazing in our lives, which would not have been possible had we not wrestled with this tension of doubt and belief. So let me give you an example of what I'm talking about from a story that we touched on earlier this year. It's found in Mark chapter 9. A man brings his uh, demonic possessed boy to Jesus, and he's clearly experiencing a tension between doubt and belief here. He even cries out emphatically in Mark 9, 24, you know, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief, <laughs> right? It's that tension. And so Jesus heals the man's son. But this healing would not have happened if the father hadn't wrestled with doubt. His belief brought the boy to Jesus, but it was his doubt that opened the door for Jesus to display his full glory and power in a way that would cause this man and everyone who witnessed the miracle to never doubt God again. And so what God is saying to Habakkuk and what he's saying, I think that's today too, is, is this, like, hey, watch this, right? You're struggling with doubt. You don't understand what I'm up to, but this tension between doubt and belief you're experiencing, it's gonna get settled if you will accept what I'm doing and just trust me. Just accept what I'm doing and trust me. Habakkuk doesn't understand how God can use a more evil nation like Babylon to judge Judah, but he, he, he does get to a place where he accepts what God's doing because he trusts what God will do. And that's the key. Habakkuk 3 verse 17. 
even though the fig trees have no blossoms, even though there's no grapes in the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. These are some of the most powerful verses, not only in Habakkuk's story, but I think in all of Scripture. You know how that reads today? It, 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 it reads like this. Even though my marriage is suffering because my spouse did not live up to his or her vow, you know, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. Even though we've experienced financial hardship, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. Even though we've, we've prayed and prayed for God to act, but He hasn't, I'll rejoice in the Lord. Even though I don't like it, even though I don't understand it, even though I know that He could and He should, but He's not, I will rejoice in the Lord. And then watch what happens in verse number 19. When you rejoice in the Lord, even in the midst of doubt, the Lord becomes your what? He becomes your strength. Habakkuk's name means to wrestle. And we certainly find ourselves wrestling with doubt and belief, but his name also means to embrace. Listen to me today. As we wrestle with doubt and belief, we need to embrace God. I can't promise you that you'll understand what God's doing. I can't promise you that your situation will get better. And I can't promise you that God's going to shield you from all that lies ahead. But what I can promise you is that if you will embrace God in your moment of doubt, He'll never let you go. He'll take you to new spiritual heights and to places of trust in your life. Remember what God has done and accept what God is doing so that you can trust what God will do. One of the most thematically important verses in all of Habakkuk is found in chapter 2, verse number 4. It reads like this. Look at the proud. They trust in themselves, and their lives are crooked. But the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. Sounds familiar to some of you, doesn't it? And it should, because it's quoted three different times in the New Testament. Once in Romans chapter 1, again in Galatians 3.11, and finally in Hebrews 10.38. The righteous live by what? By faith. What is faith? It's trust. No matter what you don't understand, no matter what's happening around you, no matter what people say, if they say, hey, God's not acting or God's forgotten you, you're to be like Habakkuk and live your life by faith. Live by trusting in God and His plan. You live by trusting in what He's done and what He's doing and what He will do. Here's what I want to do today for you. I'd love to pray for you, wherever you're watching or listening from. I'd love to pray for you that you will have that trust in God's plan in your life and that through that trust, you'll also receive joy. So Father, I, I thank you right now for the story of Habakkuk. I thank you for this great prophet who lived so long ago and the conversation that we're able to, to kind of get a peek at or the lessons and takeaways we're able to pull from this conversation. God, we, we, we got to trust you in times of uncertainty. But we're living in a day and age where there is so much unknown, so much is, is unstable. People are, are on emotional roller coasters right now. Polarization is high, tension is great, and, and there's, there's a huge cry from so many about what is happening and where is God. And doubt and belief, boy, that tension I think is, is stretched as far as it'll go right now for so many. Lord, I pray that you will help us to trust in you. If we're struggling today, may we trust you. 
build that trust, build that faith in our lives. God, may we get to a place where, Father, we, we accept what you're doing. God, we trust what you're doing in our lives, Lord. Uh, we can't move forward without that trust. And I pray you would build that within us, knowing that no matter what happens, no matter what comes our way, no matter what we're going through here today in our personal lives, God, or even on that macro level all around our society, either way, we can trust that you're in control, that you've got us. May we live by faith like Habakkuk. And as we do, God, I pray that joy is restored in our lives, that that joy returns to us, Lord, that that even though we don't understand it, we're going to rejoice. Even though, God, things don't go our way, we're going to rejoice. And even though, Lord, we don't know what tomorrow holds and we're kind of, you know, we got anxiety or there might be fear knocking on our door, we're going to trust you and we're going to rejoice. That's right. We're going to rejoice in you. And I pray that joy and that trust builds within us. And God, may we be a light to the world around us. When everyone else is panicking, when everyone else is freaking out, may we be a light because we are trusting in you and we have joy that is not of our own and comes from us, but God, joy which comes from your strength and joy which comes from your spirit. May we be light in a world that so desperately needs you here today. God, I thank you for who you are, for what you're going to do. I thank you for the trust and the joy that you're instilling inside of us here today. And we ask all this in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.